0: Break popbreak.com's monthly roundup of all the ins and outs of the world of TV. I am PopBreak Podcast Editor, Alex Marcus, and I'm joined as always by PopBreak editor-in-chief Bill Bodkin. How are you today, Bill?
1: Oh, I'm I'm doing good. It's spooky season. Television is great. I can't wait to talk about all of it. I actually am doing good and TV <laughs> is great. I'm sorry. I said it like fucking <laughs> dick. I I apologize.
0: It's, it's good. It's good. That's the sort of dickishness that our listeners love from you. Um, also, uh, taking a break from preparing his resume to be America's next favorite late night talk show host, it's our resident TV columnist, Josh Ternacki. How's your audition tape coming along, Josh? Uh,
2: not, not good. Not okay.
0: <laughs> good to know. That is a little tease for our segment on the news that Trevor Noah is leaving The Daily Show for Greener Pastures. We will be getting to that in a little while, along with a featured review of Kid Cudi's new animated Netflix special and a breakdown of who won the month in streaming. But before we get into all that, Bill, now that you have reset, what was the best thing you watched on TV this month? And please don't say football.
1: No, no, it's not. This was, man, since our last episode, we have had this incredible run of television. It's absolutely bonkers. Like. For me, like I guess the best thing—it's—it's it's kind of a tie, but I have to give some honorable mentions. Like, uh, you know, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, still really good. I really enjoy Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Um, but the two I'm really, really into right now—it's—it's uh, it's Andor, the new Star Wars series on Disney Plus. What a surprise! I picked something on Disney Plus. I know it's—it's—it's mind blowing. Um, but Andor is great. This is what I've wanted from a Star Wars show for a while. I've, I I really enjoyed Rogue One. It's a divisive movie. A lot of people don't like it. If you can find our Batman by the Numbers uh, host Dan Cohen's review of it, he thought it should be thrown in the trash compactor. A lot of people thought he should be thrown in the trash compactor <laughs> after he reviewed it. But, you know, things happen. But, you um, know, I've said for years that I, I always wanted this uh, movie to be a series series. Because I think, like, the espionage aspect of Star Wars has never been investigated. We've never really delved into it. And I think, like, something like the story, you know, needs episodic, uh, you know, storytelling. And we're hitting it. Um, the first two episodes, not the best. They were fine. But once you get into episode three and Stellan Skarsgård comes into it, this series takes a really great turn. And you really, it really gets this serious air at their stakes there's there's a lot of interest you want to know what's happening here because this is a version of star wars that isn't overly dependent on skywalker stuff this isn't overly dependent on oh here's this cute connection it's really well acted really well paced tony gilroy who did michael clayton who did rogue one is the showrunner here um if you were disappointed by book of boba fett and kenobi i don't think you're going to be too so far are not gonna be too disappointed with it. I think you're actually gonna really like this series because it's something that Star Wars hasn't done yet. So I'm very high on that. And I'm also high on House of the Dragon. That's a show that um, if you check out my uh, mid-season recap on thepotbreak.com, you'll see how I talked about how this had this impossible task of and we talked about it last month as well. It had this impossible task of, you know, getting over, you know, winning audiences back after that terrible last season of Game of Thrones. But it's done so well. It's had exponential audience growth. It's like every week the audience goes up. And shows don't tend to do that unless they're pretty darn good. Um, And this is, I think this show is really well acted. They did a time hop in this that should have just been a train wreck. But it was almost seamless. And the new actresses they brought in have been fantastic. And this is just a really well played, as Alex and I have talked about off offline, uh, or off podcast, I should say, uh, just a bloody family drama, uh, and who doesn't love that? It's a lot less sword and spectacle than Game of Thrones, but the political intrigue, the uh, succession of it all at times uh, really works. And I think House of the Dragon is shaping up to be one of my favorite shows of 2022. Oh, and football, yeah. football was pretty fun too, Alan, so. <laughs>
0: I'm definitely enjoying both of those shows and or and House of the Dragon yep. uh, House House of the Dragon. I'm a little I'm I was really liking the first few episodes. I really like the kind of soapy quality to it that it has. It's really uh, that is a zone that I'm really into. It has less of the sort of like fantasy tropes that I care about less like the sort of epic quests and long journeys through wilderness of all sorts of terrain uh that's not exactly my jam i'm more for the palace intrigue and family squabbles um but i will say the time jump didn't work as well for me as i was expecting it to i'm a huge fan of a big time jump in tv show it's one of my favorite things that a tv show can do as a way to just reset the characters into a new place and let people catch up to them but i feel like this one maybe jumped a little bit too far ahead, it, it cut out a lot of story that seemed like it had a lot of potential that we don't get to see played out at all. And that I feel like is a time jump not necessarily well executed, Uh, but I'm hesitant to say that because I think at this point it's just unclear what the actual arc of this season will be. And I think that it is interesting and ambitious of them to really try to tell a story across a span of time that is unusual for a TV show. Um, and I'm willing to give it to them because not only did we get a ten year time jump here, but all of the show like all of the episodes of the show so far have gotten have had various degrees of jumps in time, whether it's yeah. six months or two years or three years. So it's really playing with time as a part of its narrative in a way that is very unlike most television. So I'm willing to give it the full season before I judge how it's using these time jumps and what it's choosing to omit and, and allied uh, what until I actually see the whole of the story that they're actually telling instead of the story that it seems like they're going to tell and then they back off of or skip over. So I- I'm really looking forward to seeing how it concludes in the next few weeks.
1: I feel like what they're going to do is they're all the Targaryens are going to come together for some sort of uh, they're going to boardwalk empire. They're going to have all the, everyone kind of team up to take on this uh, mid season big bad that kind of ar- arises and I think that's what's going to happen, and we leave the season with some uh, key character deaths. Because we know it this means. is coming back for a se- second season. It's it's a layup. Yeah,
0: a it's supposed to be a three to four season arc that they're I telling. That's <laughs> what they've told us. And uh, yeah, everyone who's read the book that this is based off of pretty much saying that all of this is just kind of prologue to the main event ahead when it comes to the Civil War that we're about to enter into. So I'll be really curious to see how I feel about it once I see the full season as a whole but Josh how about you are you are you enjoying this show are you enjoying Andor or do you want
2: to tell us about something else that you've really liked this month yeah so I'm admittedly not gotten on to Andor yet it's it's on my to watch list um I've mostly
1: give it it to Josh just give those those first two episodes or as I think across the board we sit on socially distance Alex and I talked about this too those first two episodes just let them, you got to just give it a little, the episode's series a little patience, and then it's going to pay off. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep it's, that in mind.
0: It's not that the first two episodes are bad, it's no. just that the first two episodes. Are, makes makes you worry that you're in for a sort of show that the third episode makes clear that that's not the show that you're going to be watching. You're going to be on a different type of journey, and that made me feel much better about it. Like there's a lot of use of flashback, and you know, I mean, we joked before Andor started that if Andor ends up being about Andor meeting up with a small child and gar- and guarding him or her <laughs> across the galaxy, that I'm going to just like cancel my Disney Plus subscription. Um, <laughs> we don't get that, but it d- it did make me. Left the way that they did, find a way to jam a child narrative into those first two episodes uh, somehow. <laughs> felt like that was just necessary, but it's it's at least an older child and it and it has something more. It's 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 not going for the cutesy sort of uh, baby Yoda thing at all. So there's at least that. But yeah, and and then the third episode is really good, and I and I also think that the fourth episode is is very good. So I'm very encouraged by where it's headed.
2: Okay that's that's good enough so i'll i'll be a bit more patient with it um definitely it sounds like it has more um potential than book of boba fett did uh, oh. as for house of the dragon not much effort I, to do that. <laughs> yeah yeah that i mean when it was mandalorian season 2.5 that's when it was best so um but house of the dragon i've watched everything up until the the time jump so i'm a little behind okay. um my oh. biggest takeaway is that Kristen cole's an idiot and just oh. needs to learn to keep his mouth shut um that but. is,
0: I hate to break it to you, spoilers for the next episode. That is not what he learned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah.
2: <laughs> good, that was not good. his takeaway. <laughs> good. Still an idiot. Great. Um, so yeah, I've been a little bit more mixed on the show. I've enjoyed some of the drama, but I'm actually annoyed by a lot of the time jumps. Um, without knowing this, this biggest one, I, I am finding that I, I keep seeing. Parts that I wish were kept in. Like, there's like this huge breakdown between Allison and um uh, blanking on her name. Uh, Ranira. Ranira. And I'm like, I feel like I want to see more of that, but instead of just well, like. You, you will. Okay. Okay. You will. you will. I mean, she slept
1: with her dad and got in, and replaced her mom. So, I mean, like, to me, I'm like, I didn't need any more than that.
2: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like it, it hints at tension and then's like, Okay, we haven't talked to each other for months, and now now we're talking again. It's like okay, oh. that's that's how people talk, I guess. Yeah. Um, Things aren't so, good
0: between them. Just spoiler alert, it they, they haven't buried the hatchet. Uh, <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> hatchets yeah. may be
1: buried, my friend. <laughs>
2: still something's buried, that's for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. I'll have to keep watching it. I, I definitely want to see how the rest of the season goes. Um, definitely depends on how the season ends or kind of progresses if I'm going to stick with it. Um, but actually, my pick for um, my favorite thing that I've watched this month is something uh, probably completely out of left field. It's not something Marvel. It's not something Star Wars. Um, it's not even something uh, that's U.S. production. It's actually a Korean um, TV series called Extraordinary Attorney Woo, which is on Netflix. Um, and I have really enjoyed it so far. I haven't seen too much of it. I've only watched, I think... The first three episodes. There's 16 total, um, but it's a it's a really wonderful show. I'm not sure if either of you have heard of it before.
0: Uh, Netflix keeps trying to get me to watch it. It keeps being popping up as like the banner on my Netflix homepage. So, uh, but I haven't actually given it a chance yet.
2: Fair, fair. Well, just to kind of give you a a heads up or give our our listeners a heads about what it is if they want to check it out. Um, it's about an attorney, uh, who is, um, a female rookie attorney at her law firm. Um, but she is the only, um, neurodivergent, um, lawyer on the staff. And so it's about her trying to navigate this workplace, um, among all these neurotypical people and try to prove that she belongs there. Um, and so, but beyond that, like it's it's you know definitely as you know her being a lawyer implies like definitely a legal drama, but it's also really heartfelt and really funny. And I was somewhat nervous going into it, knowing that um, the the actress who plays the main character, um, the actress is uh, Park Eun Bin. Uh, she is she is neurotypical, and so like oh gosh, this could turn into really pandering, or this could turn into really like. You know, satirical or offensive really quickly, but it doesn't. It it seems like she and the writers and everyone involved with it did really good research. And there's sometimes they fall into some like tropes of kind of anytime we'd see a story of um, like someone who's neurodivergent uh, kind of having like almost um, special powers per se. Um, But for the most part, they lean away from a lot of that. And it feels like a really honest, Careful and you know, really uh, intentional performance and depiction of someone um, on the autism spectrum, and I think it's fantastic. I would highly encourage anyone to watch it. Uh, once again, it's got good humor, it's got good drama, um, and I think just a great message of um, you know acceptance and trying to show that you know someone. Who is not typically thought of as being in this legal realm just belongs as much as anyone else. So I love it and uh, I'm definitely going to keep watching it.
1: Josh. Nice. Are are you also watching the show I forgot to mention? That's our show, The Great British Bake Off. Are you watching the new season?
2: I I was going to mention it. Bill, when you you told me, when you messaged me that it was on, I had no idea. I, I totally blanked. So thank you for giving me a heads up. Uh, yes, I'm all caught up. Are you caught up with the first oh,
1: three? Every, every week, man. It's a, okay. it's a Friday afternoon treat
2: for me. There you go. Okay. So, yeah, so far, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't see a, a favorite just yet. I do. I think Yanush is going to take it. You know, I he has potential, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, like, a dark horse somewhere that comes in. Um I forget. uh I can't remember her name, but the one. Maxi. Um, She's she's a good one. I was also thinking the the one Baker um, who's from Malaysia. I think she has a lot of potential. Um, So I'm very excited to see how it plays out. Uh, And glad that they did what they did with the most recent episode in terms of the uh, who they sent home. Just because they they made it fair in a way that I think was justified.
1: Alex, we're going to get you to watch this one day never gonna happen you know what i never thought i'd watch the whole mcu either but we have well, years that was of the something that that
0: was something that i made you do not That's something you made me do well,
2: you know, the the more, the million?
1: me 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 and josh make you watch and <laughs> we we hear you fall in love with it
2: the, the more you say that to him the more alex is going to dig his heels in
1: I mean, no one was more, had his heels more dug in than me. I'm like, ah, F Marvel, I'm going to watch the rest of it. And then it's like, oh, I'll get around to it now. Because so it's like, yeah, we're going to do this podcast. I'm like, all okay, right, fine. Now I love it. And I watch with my kid. I mean, we can make this happen, guys. Yeah. Season eight of Bill versus EMC, it will be
0: the bake-off season. Yeah. So look for January. that in 2026. Uh- <laughs> I'm
1: still alive. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be doing it.
0: Yeah, well, Alex, well, I,
2: what, what was
1: your favorite for this month?
0: Well, it certainly wasn't a show about baking, um, as delightful as it seems. Uh, I there's I feel like there's been so much like really blockbuster shows getting a lot of attention, so I wanted to do some quick hits on some of the uh, not exactly smaller shows, but just less under discussed in the current TV climate, which is so blockbuster heavy. Uh, So I'm just going to go through a bunch of stuff really quick. Most of it airs on Hulu because Hulu has been like really delivering when it comes to quality television as of late, including Reservation Dogs, which is a production from FX maybe one of the maybe the best show on television this year Uh, It ended its season this month and just from start to finish every single episode was a slam dunk it manages to weave through different types of tones and and from like really emotionally um powerful and cathartic to really silly to surreal to just like like it is such a varied experience every week but it always makes you feel something uh and it is a window into a world that I think a lot of people don't have the opportunity to see, like this reservation uh, in in Central America, uh, in Central, in the center of the United, United States, States of America. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> not in Central America, um, where these teenagers and their families are kind of stuck in this lineage of of trauma and of joy and of struggle and of spiritualism and just all of this stuff uh, this incredible sense of community that these people have, the the characters on the show and it's just really rewarding and every episode is fantastic and like I said you never know quite what you're going to get, sometimes you're going to be in a in like a home for juvenile offenders led by Mark Maron other times you're going to be seeing uh, the lead singer of Incubus as uh, Jesus in LA on the beach Uh, you just never know what you're going to get but it's always fantastic and it always makes you smile makes you laugh makes you cry Uh, and yeah there's just there's one episode in particular Mabel which is kind of about uh, one of the lead characters, grandmother, who was her uh, primary guardian, is is at the end stage of her life and the whole community comes together to say goodbye to her and it's incredibly uh, moving and also has a really deft uh, ability to communicate different types of relationships that these people have with each other in this community and people coming in who have been gone for a while, people kind of who have tension with each other being forced into this situation where they have to put their feelings on hold and, and they're able to just communicate so much just through the acting and through the and through the direction. And this cast of young actors especially are just incredible. Devry Jacobs and uh, DeFaro Wunatai and Lane Factor, Polina Alexis. Uh, All these these young kids are, I mean, not kids, like they're in their late teens, early 20s at this point, but they're so talented. And and this is many of their first jobs, and you would never believe it because they're just so effective in the role. And I mean, if you haven't been watching, the first season was very good. And the second season just took it to another level in terms of quality. And it's essentially about these four kids, these four teenagers who recently suffered the loss of one of their friends to suicide. Um, And it's about them kind of coming to terms with that loss over the course of really two full seasons Um, and in the meantime, learning about the community that they come from and the ways in which uh, some of that trauma is kind of, you know, uh, uh, experienced over and over again throughout like their parents generation and previous generations before that. Um, and. Also some of like the wild and wonderful things about their community and about just being a young person in the world and feeling dejected and, and confused about how to be an adult at a time when that seems so uh, such a strange concept. Um, so it's when you talk about what the show is, it's easy to make it seem like it's a really heavy show and it can be, but it also can be so funny and so Uh, surreal and crazy like these characters are visited by spirits all the time um, who are not what you would expect there's like a whole episode this season where uh, two of the characters accidentally get dosed with uh, LSD two adults uh, I should say um, and end up uh, coming across a uh, kind of a Rich white people, uh, satanic cult of a kind that their governor is a part of, and that's the whole thing. It's really wild. You never know what you're gonna get, and it just it's just one of the best things on television. So it's it's really really worth a watch. All you can watch the first two seasons on Hulu. That's like my big endorsement. That's definitely the best thing I watched. Some of the other things that are good, Atlanta season four is back on FX and Hulu. Uh, Season three, I was very lukewarm on. I think it had some good episodes, a lot of mediocre episodes, which sucked because Atlanta is one of the best shows on television in its first two seasons. Season four is back to where season two left off. It really is a return to form from them. Uh, All the episodes that have come out so far have been just really stellar and has given me new... Kind of hope and enthusiasm for the show. Rami has returned, also on Hulu. That's a really strong show. That's a really uh, depressing show sometimes. (laughs) Most of the time lately, Uh, it's interesting in that it's like really interested in exploring the fallibility of of humans and making its characters actually have to deal with real world consequences to the sorts of things that kind of TV characters sometimes get up to and then uh, it just kind of rolls off their shoulders at the end of the situation that they find themselves in. Uh, It's not uh, like delightfully funny um, at the end. It's actually, it's usually really sad and and rough, Um, but honest. And I think that that is interesting, if not always the most fun thing uh, to hang out with. Uh, Something that is fun because it is just insane in a wild way is the good fight uh it's final season is on Paramount Plus it's about halfway through its season and it is just like they are just not holding back uh they've decided to set it in, uh, the show takes place in Chicago and they've decided that this season there will just be um crazy protests and and um and riots outside of uh, the law firm on the streets of Chicago for the entire season um, where various left and right right wing uh, groups are are clashing against each other uh, and there's been explosions and and grenades and and uh, assassinations and stuff and this is a, a lawyer show about uh, Diane Lockhart uh, who you might know from The Good Fight The Good Wife so it's it's wild. Um, John Slattery is there as uh, as Diane, the main character's new doctor, who is prescribing her a low level of ketamine to help her deal with uh, the absurdity of the world. Um, and that is kind of what they're dealing with right now. Also, and, uh, Andre Brower is a new addition to the show this year as a, as a new partner coming in, clashing with uh, some of the other lawyers. And he's a lot of fun and always unexpected. So definitely... If you're not watching the Good Fight, it would be really weird to just jump in now. But you maybe should just to see what they're up to because I feel like uh, they're getting away with stuff that no one else is getting away with on TV. It's it's really insane.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is a show about lawyers. Right? It's like it's like the, 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 it's like heat happened outside of their office. So it's just like let's just. Mass shootings and all that sort
0: of. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's and I mean, Alan Cumming reprised his role from The Good Wife in this season uh, of The Good Fight, uh, and he's great back. He's his character on The Good Wife was this sort of like political operator uh, who, if he existed in the real world, would be cursing constantly. But that show aired on CBS, so he couldn't. So now that he's on Paramount Plus, he can curse as much as he wants, and he like does like a direct uh, like. like monologue to the audience about how he's cursing and it's okay um and that was just (laughs) crazy (laughs) it's just it's always been a show that's tried to incorporate the kind of um insanity of the world as it exists in our lives uh and it touches on a lot of political stuff that you wouldn't expect from like a legal procedural um but this time they're really just upping the ante to an insane degree like if this season ends which would be the series finale with the law firm just literally blowing up and everybody dying it would feel correct at this point given the chaos that exists in the good fights universe so uh yeah it's it's a trip uh it's really fun though
1: alex i don't know how you find time to watch all this stuff
0: it's listen it's i i, I told you before we started recording that i haven't had a good night's sleep in a month so i think that could answer your question
1: There you go.
0: But in the meantime, uh, something that isn't keeping me up at night is our our news uh, for our news break segment, where we talk about one of the biggest uh, news stories of the TV's seen this past month. Uh, This month, we're going to be discussing the Hollywood Reporter article entitled What's Next for Daily Show host Trevor Noah, where journalist Lacey Rose attempts to shed some light on the surprising news that after seven years as the host of the Comedy Central late night talk show, uh, and having only just renewed his deal for another two years earlier this year, uh, Trevor Noah is announcing, has announced that he is leaving the Daily Show. Uh, Rose's report, uh, which we will link to in the show notes below, suggested that he might have been motivated to leave the show to spend more time on his very lucrative stand-up touring career, and in addition to trying to build up his acting resume, which is something that he's apparently wanted to do for a while but hasn't had a lot of opportunities given his demanding schedule as a Daily Show host, Uh, and also to be a more active partner on the projects his production company has been in development on recently. Meanwhile, Twitter seems to think uh, that his rumored relationship with Dua Lipa uh, may have played a role in this. I think probably not. But Josh, where do you think the truth lies? And uh, what kind of relationship do you have with Noah's run as the host of the political comedy show?
2: Yeah, I haven't Watch the daily show like frequently for for years um but i I still do like follow it on um like social media and I think Trevor Noah is an incredibly talented comedian. I think he took on what was a you know an impossible task essentially of replacing you know the legendary um I'm blanking on his name now John Stewart John John Stewart, Stewart yeah so legendary I forgot legendary his
0: name. man I can't remember his yeah
2: late <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <it's laughs> like was the guy uh, he said the like, thing. The He's funny the guy, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, like, no one, I think, would have been expected to succeed after following Jon Stewart. Um, and certainly when Trevor Noah, like, took over, everyone's like, who is this guy? Like, there, there was very little notoriety to him. Like, he had been on the show very briefly. Um, and outside of, um, I think, South Africa, where he kind of got his start, um, there, there wasn't a lot of, um notoriety to him but he has been I think tremendous in the role I think he's done a fantastic job in it I think he really made the show his own and really kind of formed his own legacy uh and and, you know took the show in directions that um Jon Stewart may not have but in ways that made it infinitely better um or infinitely you know more of Trevor Noah's and I think in terms of where he goes next, I mean, he's he's got such talent. I think he could do whatever he wants. Um, I think it's from what I have read. It sounds like the biggest thing though is just like having more freedom to do what he wants. Um, just because I don't know the the grind of having like a nightly um, comedy news show just seems like so demanding. Um, and you know, also I you know wonder if you know he could you know potentially also shoot for maybe one of the bigger jobs um so i know there was also some news that uh james corden might be leaving i don't think that would necessarily be a huge jump up it might be though if he wanted to go and fill in for that spot um honestly with, with trevor noah's talent though i think he could go for one of the big ones but just right now the the whole late night tv show um or the late night talk show scene is just such disarray. Like with um, with Conan like going off and Samantha B getting canceled. It's like, it's just kind of in a weird place right now. So part of me wonders if like, he's kind of just leaving while, you know, he can before like the whole genre just goes away entirely. Um, but I think he can do whatever he wants. He's He's, you know, he's got so much potential.
0: Yeah, and to clarify, The Late Late Show hosted by James Gordon. uh, James Gordon is leaving The Late Late Show uh, this spring. It's been announced. Uh, so we know that's definitely happening, and The Late Late, Late Show is a CBS show, uh, Comedy Central. It hosts The Daily Show. Uh, both of those networks are owned by Paramount Global. So they you know, if Trevor wanted to jump t- to The Late Late Show, would be a known commodity with the team over there. Might explain why he's leaving, even though he signed a new contract? Question mark conspiracy theory uh but bill before we get into that what do you think uh what what was your reaction to this news it was very surprising and uh, are you a watcher are you a follower of, of this version of the daily show
1: um yeah it's honestly the news flashed across my computer while we were recording socially distanced last th- on thursday of last week and we actually talked about it for a second we were all kind of uh it was al myself ben Murkison and amanda uh we were all kind of taken back because it was just kind of, out of nowhere like we we knew john stewart was eventually going to leave um, but it's it's funny how it, I'm not a Daily Show viewer as much as I used to be. I mean, I watched a lot more with Jon Stewart. I thought um, Trevor Noah's best work, I thought, came during the pandemic when he was recording out of his apartment. I thought he did some great stuff and kind of reflected the just like the anxiety of it all and trying to get through it. And also just like kind of just looking at the batshit craziness of that time, because. It, it was, and um, he was, remember when he took over and was like, well, Daily Show's over, destined to fail. Who's this guy? He's not mm-hmm. going to be any good, and he's, like Josh said, he made it his his own, and it's funny how, like, that we see the departures, like, when Killborn, you know, if people don't remember, Craig Killborn was the original host. He left, we thought, to go on to Greener Pastures, but no, <laughs> outside of, like, I think that- he... I think he left
0: to do, like, he left to do the CBS show, right? To, to, he was also the host of The Late
1: Late Show. It didn't really work out great. Uh, but Not exactly, I, I was, no. And, and, but then <laughs> Stewart went from being a known commodity, really making his name on The Daily Show, whereas now Noah's made his American name, quote-unquote, like, on The Daily Show, and now is going to move on to Hollywood. And I think he's going to be very successful because his tours sell out. He's written a best-selling book. Um, He's going to do podcasting, which I think is really going to work in his advantage. And I think, you know, outside of his vocal cameo in Black Panther, he hasn't really done any movies or TV, his own TV shows or anything streaming or anything like that. So I could see him doing some stuff like that. Like, I wonder if this Paramount deal uh, is going to be specials instead of going to Netflix. Maybe he does the specials there. Maybe he's going to be producing shows for Paramount Plus. He could take over. I mean, CBS did take Colbert. You know, and he, he he went there and he's done pretty good there. So I could see Trevor Noah moving over there. But I think before that happens, I think you're going to see Trevor Noah really focus on the comedy, focus on his own productions, because I think he is a very he is he is really in demand. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more Trevor Noah than we saw over the past seven years, because. People want to see more of him now. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know who they would uh, get to replace him on The Daily Show. And uh, fun fact, seven years ago, I ran into that famed John Stewart at a surf taco in Red Bank. So... The irony of talking about this today, but that's just stupid stories from Bill because I have a lot of stupid stories about things I do down the Jersey Shore. But if a celebrity
0: I, lived in New Jersey, I have no doubt that you ran into them at some point.
1: Except <laughs> for Bruce Springsteen, all the no. time. He is the he is the white whale. But I think it's one like one of David us show, has been to his house. Um, I'm going oh. to assume that's you. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's um, I think Dale show will be just fine. I think he really he's left it in a good in a good place.
0: I think Daily Show will be fine if they get a really strong replacement. I think that the landscape has never been more competitive on the late night scene because late night really is not a scene anymore it's this sort of every late night show has to be a platform that is distributed across various different means of media whether it's like they air weekly but then they have to create this content that's going to go viral on twitter and tiktok and youtube and all this stuff so i think that it's very easy for the daily show to fall out of Favor with that crowd. I feel like that is kind of what happened with Trevor Noah for a while. It seemed like he was kind of off to a slow start. I know there were some issues with the fact that he didn't get to bring in a lot of his own writers at first. He was dealing with a lot of like the classic Daily Show writers who didn't really know his voice well, and it felt like he was kind of just doing Jon Stewart for a while. And then he slowly allowed that show to morph and to evolve over time. Like one of the things that really hit for them was when he did that kind of in between the scenes. Uh, segment where he would publish the the video of uh, talking to guests in between commercial breaks and getting to have kind of a, a slightly more candid, slightly more relaxed conversation. And I feel like that ended up being much more widely spread around than the actual uh, <laughs> interviews that he would do. And then I, I agree with you, Bill, I think that he really came into his own as the host during the pandemic when he was in his apartment and really felt like he was uh, speaking to a lot of the truths of the kind of emotional and and chaotic situation that we were all living in. Um, but notable that I feel like all of us are saying that we all watched The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and none of us really watched uh, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, but yet we had this awareness of him and what he was up to because things would go viral and things would get spread around and stuff like that. And I think that's how people are watching late night shows very much so right now uh and it'll i think that they need to find a new host that is able to do that in order to keep the show relevant um and i wonder if they'll be able to find that because i i don't think that the host of the daily show has the kind of prestige as it did when uh when trevor noah took over the role so It'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist in that I think that even though he's saying he wants to work on his production company and he wants more freedom to go on tour, uh, that he's going to end up getting announced as the next host of The Late Late Show sometime this summer because it, the timing is just so, so convenient and it would make sense and it just him saying i want to go out on tour where i can make more money it feels a lot like i want to stay home with, and spend more time with my family where we've heard a lot of people say and then six to nine months later uh they have a new job so yeah, i think it's brady <laughs> yeah
1: it's like four day unretired from football yeah
0: um, exactly so i'll be curious but i i do want to talk a little bit about who the next host might be because i have some names that i wrote down that i think could be interesting i think the easy ones that people will say right away are the people that they thought should have gotten it last time around and and they ended up getting other shows instead that have gone on to more or less success over time. And that would be Larry Wilmore, um, who of course did host a talk show um, after The Daily Show for a while um, for Comedy Central. And then he went on to host a uh, a Peacock show, which I believe he's still hosting, um, even though no one knows because no one watches Peacock. Uh, and then also Samantha Bee, like you said, who had a lot of success as the host yeah. of um, of her TBS show. And yeah. that show ended in part because, uh, you know, over time shows like that cost more and more money as talent stays and their contracts inflate. But in large part because, you know, David Zaslov took over uh, Warner Brothers Discovery and said, we're not gonna create new content for TBS anymore. So <laughs> we're gonna cut all of the original shows. So. I could see her kind of finding a soft landing on The Daily Show very easily. But I think more interesting uh, options could be someone like uh, Jaboukie Young-White who had a lot of viral success as a correspondent on The Daily Show for a while. Uh, And he is, you know, he's popped up in a lot of supporting roles in comedies and things like that, but I don't think he's really found his starring vehicle and hosting The Daily Show could be that for him. I don't know if he would want to sit behind a desk and tell jokes uh, four days a week, uh, but I think that that would be an interesting opportunity to kind of switch up the show people who have more experience with that who are also part of the paramount global family uh include uh z uh, Z-way, uh fumido who has her own show on showtime and she got that show on showtime after kind of going viral on instagram uh doing these uh, interviews uh where they would she would ask people um, pretty invasive questions that would make them look really uh terrible um, and that got her a lot of attention in ways that was probably good but sometimes not good and she got her show. Uh, she got to guests uh, on succession as basically herself. Um, so she's kind of a talent on the rise. I don't know if going from a Showtime show to a to the daily show is a lateral move or an up or a promotion or maybe a demotion. it's, it's kind of hard to say at this point, but it, it would be interesting if that happened. And the other one is you know De is nice and kid Marrow. Uh, host of Jesus and Mero split up famously a couple months ago and did not return for their Showtime show. Uh, and I could see one of them choosing to pick up the mantle of the Daily Show if they really wanted to. Um, it would be a big evolution, but they are used to interviewing famous people and celebrities and commenting on the news. It would really be in their wheelhouse. And if one of them wanted to do that solo now that they're not a team anymore, I could see it happening, and again, all they had a show on Showtime, which is part of the Paramount Global family as well. So, what do you guys think about those options, and do you have any other names as possible hosts?
1: Well, I don't know many of those names outside of from Dusa Deuce Deuce Um I'm just trying to think, like, I'm just, I, you know, because there's no, like, I'm just like, who's a hot comedian, comedian, male or female, right now, who could really slip into that role? And none of, it's just, I'm completely blanking out of who it could be. There, Another
0: person could be, like, Michael Che, who does Weekend Update. If he wants to kind of jump ship from SNL and take over, I Like see everyone that happening. else did? Because <laughs> <laughs> he has been there for a while, and that would be kind of a natural evolution.
1: I don't know, though, to be honest with you, because I just don't, uh, like, I'd have to look out to see who's out there. But, yeah, I I feel like the pick is not going to be it's going to be more in the vein of Trevor Noah than Jon Stewart. Like, cause we knew who Jon Stewart was when he took over. We didn't really know who Trevor Noah was. I think they're going to go that route again.
0: It's true. true. I, I don't think they'll do that though, because I think that there it's, the show is in such a different place than it was in 2015 at when 2000, when, Trevor Noah took over for Jon Stewart in 2015. Yes, there was a lot of pressure, and like, can this unknown kind of fill this huge shoes? But The Daily Show was such a franchise in two of itself. In in of yeah. itself, it had such strong name value that they could take a chance with someone who had success overseas, but that American audiences didn't know. And they could say, look, we're gonna we're gonna use our cloud as The Daily Show to turn you into an American star this point with the way that the media landscape is and where the daily show is like they're not the ones that are winning enemies every single year they're not leading the kind of discourse online so i i think that they need somebody who could really capture the zeitgeist and push things into the future i don't think that they could kind of rest on their laurels and say we're going to mint a new star again i think that that would be a risk and probably a mistake but what do you think josh
2: I mean, I think there's a good chance that they just go internal for it uh, because I think they do have some correspondents and contributors who would be good candidates. I think um, Jordan Klepper is someone who's been on The Daily Show on and off and who has um, gotten pretty good viral moments. So I think he's a possible choice. He had his own show that ended in 2019. I think honestly, though, that my choice would be uh, Ronnie Chiang, who... I think is one of their best contributors and who also made a really good kind of cameo or small role in Shang-Chi last year. So I think he would be a good pick um, and hopefully just kind of help with that transition, but also like Roy Wood Jr. Um, So they have options internally and that might just kind of create a little bit more of a smoother transition. So they've got, you know, plenty of options. It's just a matter of what they envision the future of that show to look like and how, long they want to invest in the future of that like do they think they're going to get you know another seven years out of the next host or is it like you know we'll see what happens and we'll just kind of see how we go for the next year or two and then see if we need to change again so i imagine they'll want something that's going to last longer um and try to keep it going but i think the biggest thing is how do we get this back into the same level of notoriety and buzz that the daily show previously had and get it back into like the uh, awards talk.
0: I, yeah, and I guess, you know, seven years from now, like there might not be a Comedy Central given the yeah. way that cable is going. And so will the next host of The Daily Show be a host that pivots into the Paramount Plus platform as a primary vehicle in the way that like HBO has John Oliver on HBO but also mo- most people watch that show on HBO Max not tuning in on Sunday nights to watch on HBO. So curious to see if they'll maybe use this as a way to soft launch a new version of the Daily Show which is more integrated into the Paramount Plus ecosystem as well.
1: I'm yeah. just ask you guys a question, and hopefully this doesn't derail things too much. Is like, do we ever think that The Daily Show can get back to that level it was at with the constant awards and the buzz? Because I feel like, and I could be wrong, and usually am, is I feel like The Daily Show went from, ha ha, it's the news, to Jon Stewart took it in a direction that had never really been done before, where it's just like, we're funny, but we're really going to take the news head on. And he made such a bold move with that. Can you recreate that magic with the Daily Show again? That made it what it was. Because Jon Stewart was like, there was a time where the Daily Show was the was the more, you know, unbi- not I don't know if unbiased, but more trusted source of news than than the than like the regular news at times. And like, can we? Can they bring that back? Because is that magic? Can you ever recreate that magic? That was there. Or is that just a Camelot, one brief shining moment?
0: Well, I think that what they can do if they're lucky and they get the right host and they get the right writing behind them is do the equivalent of what that is for 2023. Right. I don't think that they can do that again because that's not where media is. That's not where news is. that's not where politics and culture is anymore. I don't think that they could make that pivot back to being the primary source of news for, you know, a generation of, of people. But I think what they can do is, is that they can pivot the show successfully into the next thing in the way that Jon Stewart was able to pivot the show into what it was for Jon Stewart. But that is really dependent on who they get to be the new host and what direction that they take it into. If they just keep trying to be what the show is, which is we're going to tell jokes about the news uh, for four days a week, I don't think that the show is going to last another decade. I think that there's just not as much of an interest in that. There's not as much of a market in that. And like the niches that people are filling in now are less broad cast than that. And I think Trevor did try to move the show in a more niche direction in a way that's more geared around his personality and, and his interests. And that did change what that show was, but I think that there needs to be a more radical change to what the daily show is, if it's going to survive into the future, because I think you know, the interests of these giant corporations is that they don't, they're not invested in cable as a platform at all anymore. And to be a, a pricey, uh, prestigious cable property on basic cable, your days are numbered regardless. So you have to, you're, you have to float or else you're going to sink, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to make that be um, our last word on that uh, because we have to move on to Streaming Wars. And uh, Streaming Wars, of course, our monthly segment where we decide who is up and who is down in the world of streaming based on news, views, and reviews. Uh, We took the month off last episode in order to craft our own Emmy categories, but we are back and the war has maybe never been hotter, uh, and this time, I'm actually going to go first, because I have a lot to say, uh, and I am going to tell you guys that Disney+, Plus, in my opinion, won a month. What? I know. It's never no picks it. <laughs> I never pick it, but man, I have to tell you, while uh, Amazon and HBO Max got a lot of headlines for their one show, I think Disney+, Plus flooded. The zone with content and news and announcements this month, and it's kind of undebatable in my opinion that Disney Plus won the month. Let me just go through the list. So, She Hulk, like, is kind of like standing shoulder to shoulder with uh, Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. It's been kind of number yeah. three. Uh, in that list but a close number three in a way that i think a lot of the haters online want to say like oh nobody's watching this nobody's talking about it it's not true when you look at the metrics by any uh, there's various metrics that you can look at all of them show a lot of people are watching she hulk yeah. but disney didn't wait for just didn't put all their eggs in the she hulk basket because we also have andor which we talked about uh, already and that has been doing great numbers for them it has gotten grave reviews by fans and critics and i didn't think that Anything Star Wars was capable of doing that again, because this property has been so divisive. So the fact that they kind of squared that circle, at least so far, huge. And so while you know Amazon and 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 HBO Max are putting their eggs in one basket, we got two really premium like buzzworthy blockbuster shows. In addition to that, we also have uh, Hocus Pocus 2 debuting, which I am loath to say is <laughs> a big deal and everybody was really excited for. It. I saw Bill, Bill has uh, watched it. Um, in addition to people watching Hocus Pocus 2, I think most people, like yourself, Bill, watched the first Hocus Pocus on Disney Plus as well to prepare for Hocus Pocus 2. So, yeah, um, it's, it's
1: never saw it because they were a you know 10 year old boy when it came out. Didn't really. Get
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: if you were yeah, a 10 year old boy, that's like prime <laughs> demo for that. I would have thought that that movie was a massive flop.
2: And
1: it was, as Alex said, the indoctrination of the Disney Channel, which I did not have for uh, 10 plus years, uh, (laughs) you know, and I still don't often go back to, um, is, yeah. I mean, they, they, it they, aired. It aired
0: every single October for 15 every years season. on ABC yeah. Family because it was the one Halloween thing that they owned, and it indoctrinated <laughs> two generations of children into thinking that this movie is good and it is not. But I've heard good things about the sequel, so at the least
1: the you know, is much better. It's a low bar, but Tony Hale's great, and and the oh, I always forget his name, Sam uh, from the After Party. Gonna I'll figure it out. He's very good in it as well.
0: Yeah. Um, in addition to that, we also had Thor Love and Thunder hit the platform, which is kind of a big deal since that movie, despite people calling it a flop, is the most successful Thor movie uh, by the box office. It made a uh, Three quarters of a billion dollars. So that's some flop, if you ask me. In addition to that, you know, D23 happened this month, let's not forget, and broke a ton of news. We got trailers for Werewolf by Night, Secret Invasion, and Disenchanted, uh, which many people were very excited about all three. Lots of different people were excited about the different projects, which is always good for Disney+. (laughs) And well. And well, in addition to that, we also have uh, lots of the the Disney, the D23 news, which has been covered on various other podcasts, including multiple things that Bill does, sometimes with me, sometimes with other people. So I'm not going to get into it in depth, but At Marvel, uh, the Marvel panels, they announced uh, more details about Ironheart, Echo, Loki Season 2, and Daredevil Born Again. The Lucasfilm panel gave us a lot of information about Willow, Mandalorian Season 3, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, Tales of the Jedi, and the Bad Batch Season 2. Pixar announced that their Win or Lose series uh, is going to be coming fall 2023 to Disney+, and we got a first look at that. And Disney proper... Uh, they had Jude Law on stage to talk about his work as Captain Hook uh, in the David Lowry's Peter Pan and Wendy live-action Disney Plus exclusive coming out next year. Uh, Zootopia Plus was is a series of shorts that are it's coming November. We got our first look at that. Iwaju, uh was announced as a Disney animated series uh, described as a futuristic love letter to Lagos, Nigeria, uh, okay. from, and that's in collaboration with a Pan African comic book company called. Kud- Uh, Kugali, uh, and that is also coming in 2023. So lots of news for every type of Disney fan coming out of 2023 for Disney Plus. Obviously more stuff about theaters and parks and stuff like that. That's just the D23 stuff. That's just the Disney Plus stuff. Uh, And in addition to all of that, uh, CEO Bob Chapek uh, gave a series of interviews with the top outlets, including LA Times and New York Times, um, around the D23 event uh, talking more openly than he has in the past about the hope to merge Hulu and Disney Plus together into one streaming service once they buy out Comcast, which is currently scheduled for 2023. Rumor is Chapek wants that to happen sooner. Comcast doesn't because they want to extract as much money for their share of Hulu as possible. So they don't want to speed up that process um, unless JPEG is willing to pay. But I wouldn't be surprised if we hear that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. So in any case, Obviously, if all of Hulu's library is coming over to Disney+, Plus, that's good news for Disney+. Plus. So, huge, huge month. Maybe one of the best months they've ever had, in my opinion. Uh, and so, despite the fact that I never say nice things about Disney+, Plus on this podcast, in this section at least, um, I, had no, I had no way to avoid it. I have to call them the winner.
1: Bill, do you agree? I originally was going to go with Amazon, because I'm like, oh, Thursday Night Football, Lord of the Rings, yeah. And then I totally forgot, because of, Time and Life, or Time Life, uh, I I forgot about D23. No yeah, if problem. you were
0: relying on Time Life magazine to tell you about D23, you definitely forgot
1: about it. Yes, I did, and my subscription never came, and I'm just like, WTF. You should go to Time Life headquarters in Manhattan to find out what's going on there. <laughs> it's now a Starbucks. It's a 40-story <laughs> Starbucks. And uh, I'll just look at it and be like, I can't eat sugar. No. And then it's so... I forgot cuz I was going to go I mean you know Prime had the number one streamer uh, with Lord of the Rings and Thursday night football is massive but yeah Disney Plus has got it all right now they launched a new season of Mighty Ducks which is still a thing and they also they are a destination for Halloween. I mean they they have all this and this wild amount of content for Halloween so people are going to go there for Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus 2, Nightmare Before Christmas. All that stuff, plus they have Fox stuff as well, so they've they got everything going. And it's only going to get stronger because they haven't even announced their Christmas stuff yet. And, I mean, that's another destination for them. So, yeah, it's it's a massive month for Disney+. And all the She-Hole caters can suck it. That show's really good. You're just not watching it. <laughs> I, some of those
0: people, I swear to God, have never watched a sitcom no. before. They're just like, they're, it's all filler, nothing. It's just like jokes, and then like the story gets resolved at the end of each episode, and there's no bigger plot or whatever. It's all just filler episodes. Like, have you literally watched a sitcom ever in your life? Have you ever
1: life? read a comic book? <laughs> like, have you ever read a comic book where like, you know, a lot of times things like, happen in like one issue these things happen like i it's very weird i know some people who i respect very greatly who are just like ah, oh, it was too jokey and i'm like it's a sitcom i mean it's a sitcom it really is <laughs> i can't i literally have watched sitcoms my whole life it's also
0: the notoriously serious marvel cinematic universe right like <laughs> How dare you inject comedy into my MCU property?
1: And all those people will be running to Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, like me? Uh And I'm sure that's going to be like, you know, like Citizen Kane serious.
0: Sure, yeah, well, because that's not not girls making comedy. Everyone knows that girls aren't funny, Bill. I don't know what you're thinking.
1: I don't know. I have two in my house that might disagree with you.
0: <laughs> I had a friend who was a girl who once said that to me and I was like are you serious? I have
1: you, had women what? say that to me. I've had women say that to me too and I'm just like, I was you, like you're you,
0: funny and she's and she would be like well no, but that doesn't count. I was like what are you what are you talking about?
1: Internalized misogyny. <laughs> People who said it to me were also not funny. So I'm just like I know plenty of funny women. So
0: like Lucille Ball, I don't know. Um Josh, how about you?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I also love she-hulk and i'm one of my my favorite parts about the season or this the show is how it like preemptively said like yeah we know there's going to be all these haters and we're just going to make fun of them throughout the entire show i love it i think it's hilarious that they did that and such a good move
0: did they i've seen people being like oh how could they they, it's amazing that they had the foresight to think of these jokes before the, the the haters even came out it's like These people are so incredibly predictable at this point. Of course they could find ways to make fun of them before they complained. Like they knew exactly how these boys were going to complain about their show. So I'm I'm glad that they were allowed to poke fun at them because, you know, you could see another version where Marvel is like, well, we don't want to kind of offend our fans. So let's not actively uh, poke fun at them. So I'm glad that they that they were allowed to do that because.
1: Alex, can we talk about the real reason you put Disney Plus as the winner? what is It's because if people don't know on our bill versus the mcu podcast the fact we finally saw a trailer for a werewolf by night which is, <laughs> it has it, like alex is, has been his soul has been almost was almost broken his mind was almost shattered into a million pieces because if this thing was not announced at d23 he was going to combust but we finally got it and it wasn't because he wanted to see it is because he needed it for his schedule this is statistic exactly. this man. He's the most organized person I know. So if this is why Alex picked it, and this is why I'm glad Alex picked it because I, I'm glad he's in a better place now that this is all announced. And then Deadpool 3 got announced, so he's good. He's good. Yes. Well, he might not be good about being what's in Deadpool 3, but he's good that it's on the schedule.
0: And I'm pretty sure. I'm, I have a lot of confidence that I know what the two unannounced films are going to be in 2025. So I'm good with that as well. So we're, my spreadsheet is looking excellent. But Josh, uh, <laughs> outside of that, do you agree <laughs> with us that Disney won the month? Or are you going to go... I saw you nodding your head a little bit when Bill was talking about uh,
2: Amazon and what they've been up to. Yeah. Oh, uh... Alex, you truly are our own personal Kevin Feige. Um, I I, I w- wish that we could get jobs. It'd be great. <laughs> I, I was tempted to go with Amazon Prime because of the Thursday Night Football, because of Rings of Power. But I can't deny it's Disney Plus, without a doubt, for all that you guys have said. And somehow they managed to overcome a embarrassing start to the month with Pinocchio, which... Oh, yeah. Is Notice just how I
0: didn't mention, Pinocchio. embarrassing,
2: okay. <laughs> Funny,
1: but it did. But a lot of people watched it, too. I, it's like,
0: nobody liked watching it.
1: <laughs> no. It's like Netflix like, was like a billion people watched Red Nose. Name one person who liked it. Who's not Dwayne Johnson. My Name, dad. Oh, shit. I'm going to have a conversation with your dad. Not watching.
2: <laughs> no, um, no. Yeah. So Pinocchio, besides, although, I mean, had big names. Robert Zemeckis, Tom Hanks, you know, impressive. Pedigree though. Tom
1: Hanks has made four good it, movies. It makes it ooh, yeah, it makes
2: hot it take. Worse. No, I he know.
1: said that.
0: Yeah, that's what he said. He said, "I've only made four good movies." <laughs> wow. Oh. humble Tom Hanks. It's okay when he says it, not when you say it, Bill. Yeah. No,
1: I yeah. know. I know. Because I also don't believe it.
2: No. I would only add one more thing because I think you both have covered it really well. The only thing I think we forgot is. Uh, Dancing with the Stars made the transition from ABC to Disney Plus um, after being on ABC for like a million years and having a bajillion seasons.
1: In my real life job, I had a lot of angry people uh, yelling at my team that we moved it to Disney Plus. (laughs) How dare you, Bill? (laughs) Let's explain to you how corporate America and the television industry works. But yeah, well, admit it,
0: you are singularly responsible for moving it off of ABC. Personally.
1: Like I'm singularly responsible for every time Fox News goes down, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I have been blamed a lot if only.
0: There are worse things to be accused of than that. But anyway, Josh, Josh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was, I meant to include that on my list and then I did forget. So I'm glad that you mentioned it because that's huge. I mean, Mm. it's the first time that Disney plus has put live programming on their platform, which is a big deal. I didn't know how they were going to handle that. I thought maybe they would just do like a drop at eight o'clock, you know, or maybe even a drop at in the morning, like everyone else, like all their other stuff, but no, they live stream it on, at like eight o'clock on Monday nights, and then it's available thereafter um, on demand on Disney Plus, however you want. So it's there. Uh, but they, but the live, I, my mom watches it, and I, I've checked in with her, and she said the live stream has been consistent and good. There hasn't been any hiccups, um, nothing notable, and so that's huge because that's a big kind of technical challenge that they haven't
1: been faced yeah, done and it and once. They did it with. They did it for like this summer. They did a really short live stream of like. They redid this like fireworks display at Epcot, and I think it was all a test to be like, it, okay, yes. here's this thing, let's see how it goes. I'm also curious to see the translate the translate the transition, like the numbers, you know, like if we'll, if we'll ever see them, like like how it does like in terms of streaming minutes. As yeah, it if it's doing
0: testing. well, they'll tell us, and if it's oh, not, they yeah.
1: won't. So <laughs> true. <laughs> but then again, like I don't know, like. Netflix had, like, do you know there's, like, a Mark Wahlberg, Kevin Hart buddy comedy on Netflix that yeah. it's called Me Time that's, like, has, like, a billion view, minutes viewed already? I've And no one has heard of this movie. It's
0: it's about Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Hart being best friends. Two very believable best friends. Oh, I mean, what are you talking about, Bill? <laughs> that's right. What do I know? What do I know? Everyone's I, favorite comedian, Mark Wahlberg, in another comedy. <laughs> Yeah, you can watch He also that that movie where he plays a where he plays a priest opposite Mel Gibson is also on Netflix right now. Which, uh, my
1: mom. My mom has already watched that appointment viewing yeah, for her. Very perfect. Catholic <laughs> Doris Botkin. Uh But yeah, favorite. Disney Plus, yeah. is this our first slam dunk in a long
0: time? It's the first. Yeah, in a while. It definitely is. I, it's I think it's the second time this year that we've all, all three of us have hit on the same one. So that's a big deal. And and like you guys have both said, Amazon put up a big fight. I mean, Rings of Power. Did really, really good numbers. And, you know, this, this this Thursday Night Football thing was considered a really big experiment. A lot of people were not sure if it was going to go well, and it, by all accounts, has gone extremely well. A lot of people worried that it was not going to that a lot of the viewers were going to be mad that they were going to have to opt into this and a lot of people were not going to be able to handle it a lot of people were going to be upset uh, there was concern about well how are the bars going to handle it how are like how are public viewings going to do is this going to be a disaster is the stream going to hold up is the broadcast yeah. going to be good and everyone seems to be like no it's good it works and uh no complaints so it's been a huge success for them
1: yeah i've had those questions too it's like by far it's the you're fine. Get a smart TV <laughs> in your bar. I like covered bars for 10 years. Bar people ask me, I'm like, I don't know, get a fire stick. It's really easy. It costs um, like $30. <laughs> yeah, yeah get If a you're company. a bar, you should be able to cover that cost. Yeah, or get someone to pay for it for you. That's how things go. But um, yeah, but I mean, it, it also, Netflix had a lot, a, a good slate too. And Hulu dropped a bunch of stuff, like you said, plus Handmaid's Tale. Like this was a super, super competitive month.
0: I think that Netflix is a big loser this month though, because I feel like they really couldn't hang with the big guys compared, and this was, when you look at what's been going on. Now, what I will say though, if you look at the streaming charts and they and as always, those that data is somewhat questionable. Yeah. But it seems like the Sandman hung in there for like all of August and like half of September as like a very in demand show. And so Tom, even though that's a show that I feel like people weren't talking about that much, definitely did get a lot of play and a lot of people were watching it. And and that's and that was kind of their thing for that like late August, early yeah. September. That was their attempt. And that and it, I think it hit better than maybe we thought at the onset, but it didn't rise to the level that these other things no. did. So, But that's I think
1: a, like, but they like do revenge and Dahmer have done really well. Dahmer's really had a uh, yes and no kind of. I kind feel of like Dahmer didn't stories. do
0: as well as they were hoping. I think that that was a little bit of a disappointment and they kind of buried it too. They were like, we we're announcing it. Um, and it's coming out in at the end of next week (laughs) which was a weird (laughs) thing that happened so i don't i don't know about that i think that they were kind of hoping well i i read an interview where they said they were they did it in that way because they were hoping for a sort of like word of mouth campaign to really push it forward and i i mean i think that it's done okay in terms of ratings but i feel like a lot of people are tired of of serial killer stuff especially this is like the third jeffrey dahmer thing that we've gotten in the last few years and And when you mix that with the Ted Bundy stuff and everything, it's like, I don't know. I I feel like this is not something that everybody needed in their life right now.
1: People are tired of Ryan Murphy.
0: Well, certainly Netflix is very tired of Ryan Murphy because he's made twice as many things for Disney than Netflix since he signed his Netflix deal, um, which is a whole fun thing that I can't wait to read a book about that in the future. (laughs) But anyway, um, final words on streaming, Josh?
2: Yeah, I think. Disney Plus, it, this is the first time, I think, since Apple TV Plus, I think, was the last time we had a, a three for three. So, um, and yeah, once again, a rare vote from Alex for Disney Plus.
0: I know. I'm surprised you guys didn't go with the Roku channel because they made their big announcement that I, all the old classic break, uh, Great British Breaking Show episodes were coming onto the Roku channel. The, all-star, and, the All-Stars. And, The weird owl movie well so
1: that's why that's where i'm holding off like i think roku has the potential for next month because that's when weird owl hits and there's a lot it's got
0: it's (laughs) gotten really good press in the last month because it's it's been doing kind of like the press tour and the i think it appeared at um toronto i think it was at the toronto Film festival and uh it did well with critics so it's 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 been in the news there's been a lot of people who are like wait roku original
1: <laughs> this month
0: and people don't. And realize, that's good for
1: the roku channel i think yeah because i think also roku's free the roku channel's free which i didn't even know i thought you'd have a roku yeah. stick to get it i think people are really going to discover this is going to be a huge gateway drug for that and also those uh uh great british bake-off episodes include the all-star ones which includes like all the celebrity ones that were just for charity you can't get on netflix like the last one was with daisy ridley mm-hmm. and james mcavoy and supposedly it's hilarious And a lot of people have, like, wanted to see these episodes, but now you can see them right there. So I think, like, Roku Channel could be next month. Could definitely be in contention for a streamer. And
0: they still have all the Quibi shows, so,
1: you know. (laughs) Oh, Quibi. One gives a fuck about Quibi. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Moving on to our final segment, uh, which is New Series Spotlight, where we usually discuss a new series debuting this month and give our thoughts. This month, uh, we decided to discuss the new animated adult-oriented rom-com series from Scott Mischetti, better known as Kid Cudi, uh, called Enter Galactic which is also the name of his recent album whose release coincides with the release of this series. However, late last month, after it was added to our schedule and our spreadsheet, uh, (laughs) um, Netflix and Kid uh, Kid Cudi announced that his Netflix series was actually now a 90-minute TV special, which looks a lot like a movie. (laughs) Uh, And movies are not things that we typically review on this because it is, of course, a TV podcast. However... We decided to stick with it and review the series anyway um which is co-created by blackish creator kenya barris and co-stars jessica williams laura harrier timothy chalamet vanessa hudgens tyrone griffin jr jaden smith and macaulay culkin among others this series uh turned special as we've said uh follows street artist uh, jabari played by cuddy as He adjusts to life in a fancy Manhattan apartment high off the news that he'll be turning his street art signature character into a comic book for a top publication when he unexpectedly falls in love with his photographer neighbor, Meadow, played by Jessica Williams. So, as I said, we don't typically review movies, but here we are reviewing a movie. Josh, what did you think of this movie?
2: (laughs) Well, finding out that it was a movie was a real shocker. Like, this doesn't seem right and I felt you know bad for you Alex knowing that you meticulously plan everything we do and they just totally threw a wrench into your plans so I was I was annoyed for you from that get go they, they hosed you buddy that. they hosed you they yeah. did but other than that um I thought it was was all right I I think mostly my biggest takeaway is it's not something for me but I think it is very well made I really like the animation I think the animation is beautiful I especially like when they um, played around with some different styles. I thought that was creative, kind of um, kind of having the different characters go into their own little um, flashbacks or kind of stories and, and switching the animation style. Um, but overall, I, I guess I wasn't a huge fan just because I, I don't know, I felt the the story was pretty pretty similar to what I've seen before. It's like pretty standard rom com fare, um, and I was hoping for a little bit more. Um, but I think definitely fans of Kid Cudi should definitely check it out. Um, I'm not familiar with his his music, um, so I, you I can't are
0: say. familiar with his acting because he was, of course, on um, that uh, Luca Guadagnino show that we watched two years ago for the podcast that you oh, and Bill both loved so much. I it it intentionally erased are, that from my
1: memory. So hey, thank <laughs> <you> for, Which <laughs> which one was that again? Was that was that we the, are who, we are who we are. Is that the one with the, the kid from It? Yes, Yes,
0: on the military sucks. base in Italy <laughs> with uh, Martin Scorsese's teenage daughter, um, among yeah. other people.
1: Yeah. I thought it was the, the the jazz one. I'm like, I don't remember the
0: jazz no. one. No, no, no. He played, he <laughs> played a military officer on the base who was uh, flirting with Trumpism in 2020, uh, 2016, right. which is when it was, when also, it was
1: that, set. It was also in uh, Westworld season three, which I know you were a big fan of, too
0: yeah totally
1: he was aaron paul's um yeah
0: no i remember what he was in there oh I okay just, i wasn't sure yeah. if you remembered. no i just don't wouldn't call myself a fan of that <laughs> no, no that's like that's sarcasm <laughs>
1: that was on purpose yes as much as we were fans of that show yes absolutely also
0: i remember that he was announced as being uh, joining the cast of westworld and he's truly in one episode of that season yeah. so 100 <laughs> but anyway back to this show uh, so you, it was. So you kind of thought it was okay. Sounds yeah, like
2: it was okay. I I don't need to watch it again. Um, but once again, if if someone is a fan of Kid Cudi's music, then I would highly encourage them to watch it. Because there is a lot of his music in in
0: the show, as you would imagine, since it is kind of named. The same name as his album and uh, coincided with the release of that album. So it features songs from that album. Um, But not like how when Beyonce released Lemonade and did a bunch of music videos to Lemonade that was released on HBO. Uh, This is an actual narrative that just has his songs in the backing of it. And I don't know if it's totally, I mean, I guess it's a little bit related to the content of those songs, but not. Entirely. So Bill, how did all that work for you?
1: Well, how did it all work for me? Um, I actually like this. Um, I think the story is overly simplistic, and I predicted the whole thing within about three minutes of it starting when he has the meet cute with the neighbor. I'm like, okay, here's what's going to happen. And exactly what happened happened outside of Macaulay Culkin's character (laughs) jumping off a roof and breaking his shoulder. Outside of that, I pretty much had it down. Uh, but I think it's it's such a beautiful experience. And that's like if you ever listen to Kid Cuddy's music, and I've listened to some of it in the past, and it's a very stoner journey through life and love and experiences. And that really plays into what he is as an artist. And the visuals here are dazzling. I love the almost painted type of uh, animation that happens here. Um, I think the musical interludes really work. I don't think anything ever feels forced at all. I think it's very natural that these songs occur, especially when the song "Angel," I believe, is one of the songs, comes up when he first sees Meadow. I'm like, wow, that is like that is perfect the way it's done. Uh, it's it's an album film for sure, but it's also like telling his story of New York young people who fall in love and black culture and a whole bunch of other stuff that he's weaving into this. Uh I found out you can smoke weed while brushing your teeth. I mean, I have never smoked weed before, but I've been around a lot of people who have, so I figured you could. If you could drink a beer in a shower, you can smoke a joint while you're brushing your teeth. It feels counterproductive to me, is all I'm gonna say. Same, uh, Same. You, you know, listen Teach their own, smoke it if you got them, literally and figuratively. But um, I thought all of it really worked well together. The story, like I said, super, super predictable. But at the same time, kind of liked it, kind of sweet. You know, it was a nice story. This is something, if Kid Cuddy made more films like this that were in relation to albums, I would check out. Um, They wouldn't be high on the list to be like, I have to, you know, day one run and go see it. But I would definitely watch it. And actually makes me want to go and listen to his back catalog, actually, because I'm like, I like this stuff enough that I would want to listen to his stuff because it's always been a an artist. And I'm like, I don't listen to enough of his stuff. and I probably would like it. But then I always forget because, you know, me, I forget everything. So it's just too much on my mind. So, yeah, this kind of if this was Kid Cudi's way of selling me on his music and his creativity, did a good job. Yeah, uh,
0: I think this was OK um it's like a very standard rom-com kind of on yeah. rails Super. like you, it hits all of the beats that you think it's going to hit it doesn't really innovate the way that it tries to innovate is through its visuals and it's, and the fact that it is animated and it's kind of animated in that uh spider-man into the spider-verse kind of way mm-hmm. um kind of a dulled down version of what they innovated there um four years ago and yeah i, I don't know i just kind of wanted it to be more, I guess. I liked Jessica Williams. I thought she's really good in the role. I liked Laura Harrier. I thought she was really good as his ex. Um, people might know her as the love interest of uh, Tom Holland's uh, Peter Parker in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I obviously am a huge Timothy Chalamet fan, and it was fun to get to see him have fun playing a stoner best friend in a rom-com. Uh, he kind of fit that perfectly. Um, and But yeah I, I don't know I think that this is kind of mediocre uh, like the the visuals it most reminded me of of a show called um, Undone which is a two season Amazon prime series uh, Rosa Salazar, Bob Odenkirk are the stars of that. That is a rotoscoped show um so it's oh, done, yeah. so the production is a little bit different it's not fully animated it's rotoscoped um, but it uses surrealist like it where like it uses like standard. Um, like normal settings that break into surrealist emotional experiences um, in dazzling ways, and this, which which is also like deeply emotionally resonant based on what's happening in the scene, and this felt like a significantly watered down version of what that show does um, with that sort of thing. So I, I like I was kind of hoping for it to be more in every aspect that it was and it wasn't. I also don't think that Cuddy is is that good of a voice actor. Um, I don't think that he really brought a lot to the role and I think that Lean there's a reason why I'm complimenting his two female co-stars because I think that they really kind yeah. of elevated some of the scenes that they were in. And now I think Cuddy can be good as, as a performer if he's used well. I think he was actually very good in very kind of much more difficult dramatic stuff in uh, We Are Who We Are um, paired with a very talented director in Guadagnino who's known for getting really good actors Uh, performances out of actors. So that could be part of it, you know? And I think being a voiceover actor is, a a lot of people think that you could just be a famous person and do a voice for a cartoon and it's easy, but it really isn't. It's a whole skill set and not everybody can handle that. And I think that, yeah, he left a little bit to be desired there. I I think that's kind of my big takeaway is like, everything was like a little bit worse than I wanted it to be. Uh, So I can't give it a recommendation, but I don't think that it's a terrible way to spend uh, 90 minutes. I think it could have worked as a TV show. This show is the the film is broken up into chapters, uh, six chapters, which were obviously supposed to be the six episodes of the show that had been originally announced. I think that it could have played that way, but I think that they probably made the right choice to it unify it as a single, uh, as a single 90-minute film because I think that it maybe wouldn't those individual installments wouldn't have been enough. To kind of like make you keep coming back, unless you watched it all in a binge, in which case, why not just make it a movie? Um, but Josh, what do you think about that? Are you do you feel like it could have been a TV show? Are you glad that they condensed it a little bit into what it is?
2: I think it it was clear that they. You know, originally were tooling it that way just the way they set up the episodes but no I think it was the right call because I mean looking at the way the different um, parts are broken up I, I feel like it wouldn't have really flowed well as a, as a series unless you just binged all of it like if you had stopped like between episodes four and five if they had episodes I think you'd be kind of like what happened in the last part okay yes this even though they'd only be you know what 15 minute segments or so so mm-hmm. now I think as much as I, you know, once again, was annoyed that it threw off our plans, um, I think it was the right call making it a special film, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know what the big problem with this was? And like I, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's not high on my list, but like I enjoyed it for everything but the story, because even if you're talking about like stoners and been around a few in my time it lacked profundity. Like there was nothing profound, even if it was like just baseless bullshit, there was nothing profound about this. There was nothing like they were, what were they trying to go for? Like, it was just like, here's this beauty, like I thought really well animated thing. And it just like really ties music into everything. But what was the story? Like, it was just a simple, super, super simple rom-com. And it's like, you're doing all this for the simplest possible story. There's no greater meaning to any of this. And when you think of stoners that, like well, at least I do, maybe the wizards that I know, it's like they they're trying to go for like a greater meaning to something. And there was nothing like that. It was it's love. And it's just like, well, everything seemed really easy. And everything seemed like it was like the simple, like, misunderstanding. Like when you read the description, it's like Can he find time for love within his newfound success? That story wasn't even told at all. Not.
0: Yeah, not really. It was just kind of like at a certain point, like she sees his message, like not to spoil things for people who haven't watched it yet, but just basically like there's one moment where it's there's some tension in the relationship and they decide to take a break and focus on their careers and then, they, and then like, they do that, and then they just like get back together. And it's like, okay, and then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's, just, if we we're trying to get tension. I mean, rom-coms always have this kind of contrived tension towards the end of the movie, so that way you can get this kind of grand dramatic uh, reconnection. Um, and some rom-coms do that incredibly well, and other rom-coms make it feel very formulaic, and like it just is happening because it has to, because it's a rom-com.
1: You don't um, know if they, they, they had another story here that could have made it a series? Is the whole we went thing? went home with Timothy
0: Chalamet's character and really got to know what he was like and <laughs> maybe get to watch a couple of his sex scenes because we get a, a number of sex scenes with Kid Cudi's character unexpectedly for an animated show. Uh,
1: well, Alex, that's your show. Uh, <laughs> that's the show we you have. But no, I was going to say the whole thing about his comic, like, he has yeah. this whole thing like where she even says she's like, don't let them Deadpool you, and like he, and they then they have the one guy comes like, hey bro, don't you can't make your comic like this, like that struggle, that artistic struggle, I think would have made for a much better show. Yeah, it
0: gets Wait, resolved through a montage, as many things happen in this thing. There's, like, yeah. tons of montages <laughs> so, to mean, cut just, his music. And it just gets resolved within a montage without any dialogue, without any kind of... He's just like, oh, he gives a presentation, and everybody likes it. Okay, cool. It's just, like, so yeah. incredibly
1: low stakes. Which is, it. like, like, I know he wants to tell a love story here, but it's, like, you could tell both stories. And, like, you could talk about, like, someone struggling to, like, with their art, And that's something Cuddy could, you know, as a major musical artist who has been on national tours and been in big arenas and been at the festivals, like his struggle with like trying to make his music mainstream, like paralleling this comic book artist, like that really could have worked. But instead, like you said, it just was like, nah, let's just tell him about falling in love with his neighbor. Isn't that wild? And you're like, that's not though. Like, we've seen movies, guys. Sandra Bullock and Meg Ryan have done this. Like, it's like, we don't need, like, it, Kid Cuddy makes interesting music. And I think the thought was put into the visuals and the music, and it was not put into the movie. And I think if they made it a series, everyone, no one would watch it. If people would be like, watch one episode, it'd be like, I don't, what is this show even about? No, uh, okay, pass.
0: Yeah. I mean, Josh, do you want to give a, a final thought on this movie?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess my final thoughts would be: one, I couldn't withhold my uh, disbelief that a photographer and a New time comic artist could afford such amazing Manhattan apartments. Oh my uh, God, the apartment <laughs> Well, I mean, was the incredible. comic book artist
1: maybe because he got like a deal. Like, uh, maybe you've like,
0: spoken to comic book artists. You, or, you've had to
1: interview. Pop Break has interviewed comic book artists. No, I know, but I'm saying if you're gonna, if you can make the stretch. On any of the characters, it's that one, not a photographer.
0: I mean, she's a photographer that's getting her work in a museum, so that means that her work is probably worth a ton. So I think well, that it's if, actually more have believable. Have you met a
1: photographer before?
0: But a photographer who <laughs> puts whose work is in a museum, then they get then they're in the art scene and art. Is just incredibly overinflated when it comes to that yeah. sort of thing. So yeah. I think that's more believable than just someone who's getting, who's coming off of the a street art thing and getting a, to make a comic book. Like I, the way that they talk about the cosmic comic book company makes it seem like it is kind of like a Marvel kind of yeah. uh, thing. So I get that, but you know I don't have a lot of direct contact with people who make comic books, but my exposure oh, yeah. to them is that they are not living in uh, what looks to be like a ten million dollar or luxury loft in 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 Manhattan.
1: The only thing more unbelievable is like one of them was a journalist. Like just make that a thing. It's just like we didn't see Peter Parker in a, like a shitty apartment. You know, it's just like you know, yeah. That's.
0: But I but I will say it that does kind of put it in the kind of time honored tradition of rom coms where they just pick interesting sounding jobs and then just like act like. It's incredibly yep. lucrative, so that way they can have large, uh, beautiful sets and never actually show up to work, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Put it along with architects and, and magazine journalists of the 1990s.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, ghost, essentially. <laughs>
2: yeah, fair. My, my, uh, my second takeaway is don't smoke anything when you're brushing your teeth. Counterproductive. Don't
1: I do would, it. Stop it. I agree.
0: And Josh should know, so, you know, listen to Josh <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, I think but, he's
1: so relaxed all the time, man. It.
2: That's going to be in trouble. Jeez. No, Listen, just, how many of us on this
1: podcast have been accused of being a drug dealer more than one time? I don't think it's you two guys. <laughs> it's definitely me.
0: It's true. We're just Josh and you, Josh. Don't worry about
1: it. Um, uh, no one's on this podcast ever, sadly.
0: In the in the time honored tradition of intergalactic, I'm excited to announce that next year we'll be covering the Community movie that's going to be debuting on Peacock, which we learned about in this segment. But until then, uh, Josh, where can we find more of your stuff on the internet?
1: Oh uh, shit, I gotta watch Community now. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs>
2: Well, while Bill is catching up on community, people can find uh, my work on Pop Break. Um, so I haven't written a couch to the column recently, but I have one in the works for this month. It's a Halloween related one. So that'll be you coming out. You have to do it. <laughs> I, I do have to do it. I it's, thought
1: you were going to write a column on how pissed you were about Paper Girls getting canceled. Uh,
2: I mean, I will always be pissed about that because that is just should, a shame. If you have the time, you should write that one, too. Okay, maybe, maybe I'll do that, too. It'll be a two for one. Um but also, people can find me with my brother Aaron on our Anniversary Brothers podcast. Um, so yeah. we just recorded our most recent podcast uh, yesterday, actually, where we talked about the anniversary of Cloud Atlas, uh, which is, ooh, it's a doozy. It so, is. So people I, should uh, of, listen to that.
0: One of my favorite movies. Uh, I feel like you guys aren't going to like it very much, so I'm afraid to listen, but I will. Uh,
2: I, I if, don't mind it at all.
0: I, th- I think it's an incredible movie that
2: uh, is not for everyone, and that's okay. <laughs> and we talk about that. I, I will say I think we were mostly mostly fair to it. Okay. <laughs>
0: it makes some wild choices, and yes. I, I understand why it makes people angry, but I feel like you just kind of have to, like, you know, you have to be on the same page as the movie for it to work with you. Um, yeah. But some of the best editing in, in a major blockbuster ever in the way that they intercut all of the the timelines and stories to climax at the same times and across all of the different it's incredible filmmaking um and that's as much as you'll hear me talk about cloud atlas on this podcast i promise <laughs> um but you might hear me talk on josh and aaron's podcast in the near future so take a take keep your ears and eyes out for that i won't i won't give away what it is but um it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting
2: Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. And yeah, I will uh, just say that it involves the color green. Certainly does.
1: (laughs) Nice. I couldn't think of a good joke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bill, aren't you uh, jealous, uh, filled with envy that I'm going to be on his podcast talking about a a character with green in his name? (laughs)
1: Oh, I thought you were like, are you talking about the Ben Stiller, Jack Black movie, Envy? (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a thing. No,
0: uh, was, I think we all collectively agreed to, to believe that that never happened.
1: I know. Uh, yeah, so uh, as for me, um, you could find me. Uh, I'll be a guest, I think, this week on the Not Couple Goals podcast, uh, where I'm with Tyler and Allie uh, talking about Ghost. That's why I referenced that before. We talk a lot about how they could afford that space. Like, that was a real big part of that podcast and how just pissed off we all were about that. Um, but I, I know if it's not this week, it'll be sometime this month. Obviously, we did it for the month of, for month of October for Halloween. Uh, of course, I'll be doing a podcast in a week or so with Alex for Bill versus the MCU, which you can find on the BreakCast podcast. And you can check out my socially distanced podcast every single Friday. We're going to be talking about the uh, anniversary of the British Sitcom Spaced, starring Simon Pegg, directed by Edgar Wright. Uh, it's myself, Al Manorino, and Melissa Jobin. Um, and then we will be talking about a whole bunch of finales coming up in October. We're also going to be talking about Alex's new favorite uh, special, Werewolf by Night. We'll be talking about that. I might have to ask Alex to come on the podcast to talk about it.
0: Uh, Maybe, we'll see. We'll see. Uh,
1: uh, I make uh, no promises to
0: like that. I'm not a, I am not ai wanted to make it I, so I clear. Just, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the character at all. I just needed it confirmed that it was happening.
1: But how? And he barely knows it. So I do.
0: I do love that the Marvel comic book writers in the 70s had a werewolf character that they named Jack Russell. I love that. I think that's fantastic.
1: (laughs) And like, also, was there a werewolf
0: by day? They come out of full (laughs) moons. Like, okay, cool. Uh, it looks like, good on the cover of a comic book, Bill. You can't deny Werewolf by Night. It it's like good.
1: Bill Bodkin, Irish at a bar. Okay, <laughs> yeah, <we> no, <know. laughs> <laughs> No shit. Like, there we go. Um, but yeah, follow me on Twitter, at BodkinWrites. I had a ton of stuff I wrote about this week. On the side, last past week, I wrote about House of the Dragon. I wrote about Great British Bake Off. And I'll have more stuff coming up, sure. I might even review inter- the new Interview with the Vampire series, because I'm not busy enough. Um and follow the pop break on Twitter at the pop break on um, Instagram as well. We've had a ton of concerts we've covered recently. Everyone we've uh, shot everyone from L C D Sound System to Nine Inch Nails to Gorillas at the Legendary Forum in LA. And we just covered the killers at MSG with Bruce Springsteen showing up. And a whole bunch of really cool um concerts we've covered over the summer. So go we've had a lot we have a lot of awesome photographers. Go check them out. So that's if maybe
0: like music, socially distanced did a whole "See Here Now" festival coverage.
1: That was pretty cool. Unless you're the organizers, so you should listen to it. <laughs>
0: Uh, as for me, um, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mediathinkings. Uh, you can follow my film podcast at Cinema Joes on Twitter uh, for new episodes of that. Uh, we are scaling down to once a month this fall. So we've only, we we only have uh, one episode coming out in October, and that is our episode on Mrs. Doubtfire with a friend of this podcast, Tyler McCarthy. So definitely check that out. It is was a really fun discussion um, on Mrs. Doubtfire. I was very excited to have an opportunity to revisit a Classic of my childhood that is actually good, unlike uh, Hocus Pocus. Um, but enough about that. Um, you can also That's follow close. Bill Bill versus the MCU by subscribing to the Breakcast podcast feed. Uh, of course. We just did our Phase 4 Part 2 episode covering Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home. One of those movies made Bill's wife extremely angry, and you're going to have to listen to find out which one of those that is. Uh, next month, this current month, I should say, October 18th, to be exact, you can listen to Phase 4 Part 3, uh, where we'll be reviewing Moon Knight, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Miss Marvel, love and thunder and be able to finally say bill has caught up with the mcu so very excited for that to happen um i did rewatch all of moon knight for that episode so i have thoughts um yeah. we will get into all of that soon and uh,
1: once i'm good
0: <laughs> and as for this podcast we'll be back here next month and we will we promise that we are going to re- review it actual Uh, television show it is uh lisa joy and jonathan nolan's uh new series for amazon prime video uh the periphery which stars the great sporettes so i'm
1: very excited for
0: that look forward to that uh in the meantime uh thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next month